0: How are we doing? Yeah? Haven't run out of juice yet? No? Awesome. Sal hasn't run out of juice yet. (laughs) I want to read from Mark 4, starting at verse 35. That day when evening came, he, being Jesus, said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. In some ways, this is a really encouraging story, especially for a bunch of people who've been in Fiji and not always steady on our feet. There's the situations that can be um, a bit daunting and a bit challenging, but the amazing thing is, in this situation, is that this wasn't the first time Jesus performed a miracle in the in the lives of his disciples. If you look at the previous chapters of Mark, Jesus had already done a bunch of amazing things, and in fact, he says he went around performing many miracles. So this is a Jesus who's performed many miracles, and yet at this point, in this circumstance, in this situation they were completely freaked out and didn't even know who he was or what what they were trusting in. This week I've been wrestling with God because in Fiji you see a bunch of really amazing things, but you also see the gap in your faith. You see what the gospel actually looks like for you, what the gospel actually means. And you realize in your life and in the life of others that sometimes the gospel is not powerful. We don't believe it to be powerful. And like the disciples, we cry out for something in desperation even though the answer was already in the boat with them. Sometimes I wonder whether... The gospel is a little bit like washing your hands after going to the toilet. Who got taught that when they were a kid? Yeah? Yep. <laughs> I was going to ask who still does it. Now we've got a few doctors in the room and they probably tell you it's a very good thing to do. So, But a lot of the time we go, well, I do it because I was taught to do it. It's a good habit to have. I teach my kids it. I really, probably don't really see the implications of not doing it very often. We live in a fairly sanitary sort of environment. So the idea of of not washing your hands, maybe, maybe not, makes a difference. Wait until you go on a camp and uh, diarrhea outbreak happens and then all of a sudden you realize how significant it is. But on a day-to-day basis, who rejoices when they wash their hands because of the blessing of washing your hands? Who sees the power it is in their life? You don't. It's just something you do that you go, a pretty good idea. Just something that just happens, that goes along the side, that you just got taught. And the challenge we've got is sometimes we treat the gospel the same way. Something that we were taught when we were young, was told was a good thing, we kind of occasionally attach to it, occasionally go, oh yeah, I remembered that um, maybe my life's better with the gospel. Um, someone told me that once and, and that's probably a good idea. It makes sense, but we don't actually embrace what it means to live a life post-the gospel. These disciples had an excuse. Jesus hadn't died, he hadn't risen, and the Holy Spirit hadn't been sent yet. Right? What happens when you added those three things to the picture and you see very, very different disciples? The gospel was very different post those three things happening than before it. They were a bunch of confused, aimless people. But once you added Jesus' death the sacrifice for for our sin, the resurrection, the power of God, raising Jesus to life and glorifying him, and the sending of the Holy Spirit, that same power being imparted on the body, on the church, on, on God's people. When you add that to the picture of the gospel that they were already sharing, repent, be baptized, the kingdom of God's coming. They already had the gospel then. But when you add those three things to the gospel story that they had, even in their circumstance, Jesus said. Why do you not have faith? In our circumstance, we're very different. We don't just have that. We actually have so much more than they had in that circumstance. I want to read um, from a foreword of of a book that I'm uh, in the process of reading. It's quite interesting. If you were to ask, uh, the, the book is called Gospel Fluency. If you were to ask many Christians what the gospel is, the answer would sing a tune of Christ's life, death, burial, and resurrection. The accuracy of these answers would leave you to assume that there is application until you pose a follow-up question, such as, how do you apply the gospel to the everyday stuff of life? Then blank stares and fumbling words would reveal the disconnect many Christians have between the gospel and its power to not only save ourselves souls, but also to change our lives. I have come across many godly men and women who are walking through life with the people in their churches by teaching them how to study scripture, help them understand spiritual disciplines, finances, relationships, and so on, yet yet the deceptive blind spot in their discipleship relationships is that they have discipled people in how to successfully do all the above without Christ. Oh, how easy it is to create men and women in our image who are living morally correct lives While being gospel deficient, we do a great disservice to the people God has called us to disciple, if we disciple them into anything other than Christ. So my question this morning is, what does life look like when it's through the lens of the gospel? Not to what does Sunday morning look like. God actually says, I do not want your sacrifices. Don't come to the temple and bring me these nice sacrifices. I want your heart. Don't give me something on Sunday that you're not offering me on Monday. I don't actually want the Sunday if it doesn't flow through to the Monday. When we live lives through the gospel, or when we live lives now, we've got to ask ourselves, is it a life that others want to copy? Are people looking at our lives going, there's, there's, they're living something different. I want to live that life. And if we're not, what are we offering people? What does the gospel reflect in our day-to-day life? Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power, the good news being gospel. It is a power of God at work saving everyone who believes, the Jews first and also the Gentiles. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As, is, as the Scripture says, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. 2 Timothy 3 says this, But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, Lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, strolling with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. His next line is, Avoid such people. (laughs) Pretty harsh. He goes on to verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from who you learned it and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, and women, may be complete, equipped for every good work. So we have this foundation of power that actually we look through for every good work. Every day we make a choice. Every day we choose to live through the gospel. I want to share a story that really shook me from Fiji. There was a guy that Tanya and I met uh, 13 months ago in Fiji. His family, his his mum had been miraculously healed, so they gave up their idol worship, Hinduism. And they chose to explore this journey of faith in Jesus. And so when mum and dad do it, the whole family does. So mum and dad said, this is what we're going to do. We're not Hindus anymore. We're going to be Christians. So the kids did it and their kids did it. And and so three generations like that have gone, we're going to follow Jesus. Four months ago, he went, I'm going to make a personal choice to follow Jesus. I want to be baptized. One month ago, he decided to pray and fast. 16 16 days into his praying and fasting, his very disabled 12-year-old daughter died. So we went and spent some time with him. What he didn't say that Pastor Elijah had told us was that he was actually praying for his daughter for those 16 days. But this was his prayer. Think about this through the lens of the gospel. What would you pray for your daughter? And this really shook me. He said, Lord, my 12-year-old daughter has a tough life ahead. There's a lot of care that she needs, but also her quality of life is not so good. I want to give her up to you. And I know you can do two things. You can heal her or you can take her. It's in your hands. I was like, wow, I don't think I'd pray that prayer. And 16 days into praying and fasting, she quietly passed away. The selfishness in me goes, where's the justice in that? But he said, no, through the lens of the gospel, I believe in a God of power who knows better for my 12-year-old daughter than myself who knows more about her circumstances and the blessing it was for her to be released into his presence and to be rejoicing in heaven with him than for me to get to spend the next 30, 40, 50, 60, however many years with my daughter. Wow! That's faith. That's living through the gospel. That's amazing. There were plenty of times in Fiji, and you'll be able to talk to the guys about this, where... We were working out of a position of weakness. In fact, in some ways we set this up. We had a measure which was a Fiji measure. What was it called? Fiji. Fiji check. Fiji check. Three numbers out of ten. How are you physically, how are you emotionally, and how are you spiritually? And it was a good way just to be able to connect as team, because if you know any young adults, how you doing? Yeah, right doesn't really say very much. um, And you go, oh, can you give more details? Yeah, not bad. (laughs) And that's all you get. So this was a way of trying to tease out a little bit of detail, uh, actually understand something. Um, But there's there's something really significant that I've realized that's flawed with this picture. And two of the guys in the team actually picked up on it. So Steve started saying, I'm all 10s. I'm 10 out of 10 across the board. Because I've got Jesus in my life. I want to look through life through the lens of the gospel and I want to say I'm 10 out of 10 in everything. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. And you go, yes, that's awesome. Darren had a different approach. He said, I'm spiritually two. He said, the reason I'm a two is because I've got so much room for God to grow me. So physically, in my personal circumstances, I'm a two um, spiritually, but I'm going to give God some room to move here. And you go, that's awesome. And I want to just paint this picture in a bit more detail, because this is really actually quite significant, and I think it's a bit flawed in our thinking of who we are and what the gospel means to our lives. So this is little me, right? A bit empty. Lord, fill me. I'm feeling empty. so I go to the Lord and He fills me up. Oh, awesome. Thank you, Lord. You are so good. I'm going to go share some love with Sam. and I'm going to pour into Sam. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you, Lord. That's brilliant. I'm going to pour into Daniel. Yeah, okay. i where I to pour it, hadn't I? Over the cables. Um, pour into people. Oh, God, I'm a little bit empty. Can you fill me up? Oh, thank you, Lord. That's much better. And this is our measure out of 10, right? This is what we often do and what these guys were kind of balking at. What is the capacity of my cup? Me, yeah? So we go, God, fill me up. Encourage me so that I can work to my full capacity. It actually isn't the picture of the gospel. This is what the gospel looks like. What's the capacity of the cup now? It's kind of irrelevant, isn't it? It's no longer I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. And if that's the case, if it's Christ that's alive, if that he died and rose and sent his spirit, not so that I can be the best Matt, because we all know what that looks like, but when Christ is alive in me, that's awesome. awesome. It's not my capacity that I'm operating in, it's Christ's capacity. And I realized this while we were in Fiji, that there is a Ford theology that we have that we want to be the best us. That's always going to disappoint you. The best you is Christ alive in you. I am a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. This is who we're meant to be. This is what we operate and walk in. And what shook me up was some of our young adults, and I don't think they'd mind me telling you this, were in situations where they went, oh, I can't pray. I've got nothing to say. I've got nothing to share. And you're like, oh, we've ripped them off. We sold them a Sunday gospel that we can sing some songs and rejoice in the Lord, and, and we, we do that really with gusto and enthusiasm. But then on the day after that, when you're in front of someone who needs encouragement, I've got nothing left. Sorry, I, I, don't, I don't have anything to offer here. And you go, wow, we have sold a very cheap gospel when that's the perspective that we have. There was a point that I was like that. We were in a spinal ward, and, and I stood with this, this guy laying on a bed, just bones. He'd been crippled for 12 years. He'd been in hospital for six months and didn't know how long he was going to be there for. And as I'm praying for him, I didn't even believe my own words. I've switched back into that place of what do I have to offer this guy? And when I I look at what I have to offer him, 12 years, crippled, skin and bones, I didn't even want to, as I poured this out to him, I didn't even want to look down to his legs to see if they might move i didn't i didn't I, I didn't believe that there was any possibility that my prayer had any power because that's all I had to offer him and I knew that wasn't enough to heal this guy yeah that's not what I had to offer him and I say that not out of pride I say that out of the the sense of the 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 Um, perspective shift that I want us to make, that I want to make. That I want to live a life that testifies to the Gospel every day. For this reason, 2 Timothy 1, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands, for God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purposes and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifest through the appearing of our saviour, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel." 2 Corinthians 5.15 says, And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised raised again. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When you start looking at Scripture through the light of of this, this different approach, this idea that it's not just God patching me up so that I can be a better me, but it's actually the divine nature in us. It's a different approach to life. What does it look like when you're buying a car through the gospel? It gets a bit harder sometimes. What does it look like, guys, When you're wrestling with pornography through the gospel the lens of the gospel what does it say into that space god's not a god who condemns but he does want to save that's the gospel what does it look like when you're through the lens of the gospel when there's bitterness and unforgiveness when there's relationships that are broken what does it look like through the lens of the gospel every moment of every day when you look through the lens of the gospel Your life is transformed, and the light of the gospel shines through you in a miraculous, powerful way that is not you and not your power, but it's the power of God at work through you. We cannot sell our kids a cheap gospel, we cannot model a cheap gospel with one foot in both camps saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be in the world and I'm going to try and do my best and I'm going to still have my pride and my self-esteem wrapped up in, in possessions or identity or all that stuff and I'm, and I'm going to also just trust God a little bit too. We can't model this to our kids. We can't represent this. And, and I realized on this trip that I've sold our young adults short because they haven't had modeled the fullness of the gospel, from me. When I got back, I went online and I bought a new Bible. I got 15 Bibles in the the shelf, but I bought a new Bible. And the reason I bought a new Bible is because I wanted to start new. I went, God, I don't want your word to be something that we learn, that we study, that we pull apart and ponder. I want it to be alive in my life. And if it's going to be alive in my life, then I want to carry it around. I want to read from it. So this will probably be the last Sunday I read from a tablet. Because what am I modelling if I don't believe the Word is alive in my life? And as soon as you look at this perspective of what this looks like, the Bible just jumps out at you. Open any page and the Gospel just declares to you. It's living, it's active. It's powerful. And yet I realise... We struggle with reading Scripture. Look at Scripture through the lens of the Gospel. Is it a chore that Jesus is asking you to do because that's what good Christians do? Absolutely not. We hunger and thirst after righteousness because I want every day of my life to reflect the gospel. And to reflect the gospel, I want to know what the Father's saying because that's the source of the power. And I want the Holy Spirit to bring that alive in me and transform me from within. And if I don't have the Word in me, how can I live a life through the life of the gospel if I don't know the gospel? I want to pray. I want to spend time with my Father and say, God, I want to be teachable. I've got so much to learn from you. I so often make this about me. But Lord, I want to pray that you might continue to remind me that the gospel is the power of the life in my life. It's not my capacity, it's your capacity. God, I want to be Jesus to those around me. And what that means is being Jesus to those around me. Oh, maybe I better read the word and find out what Jesus was up to. Because what he was up to, he was transforming lives. I want to be transforming lives, Lord. I want to believe that you have the power of Christ in me with that capacity, not my capacity, to be able to speak love and hope and truth into people's lives. That there is only one way to the Father. That the gospel is salvation. That people desperately need Him. This is the gospel that I want to represent. That I want to to look through the lens of life through. And it takes me to change my mindset from having a little gospel that I attach to my life like a badge of honor to being a life that is continually renewed and transformed that I less of me and more of you, Lord. Less of me, more of you. And I want to fight for it. I don't want to be passive and wait for him to tap me on the shoulder and say, you got some work to do here. I want to say, God, I want to be in your, I w- I want to be in your, your ear all the time. Keep talking to me. Don't ease up. I want to be hungry. Is this making sense? This is radical, guys. Because I've got to say, Fiji taught me that in Fiji and in Australia, there's not a lot different. We've got patterns of behavior that are Christian. Awesome. It's a lie. The patterns of behavior, and we are talking about this activate group, do not conform to the patterns of the world. Guess what? Church has patterns too. And they are patterns of the world. But, do not conform to the patterns of the world. But, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get a new way of looking at things. Look at it God's way. God's capacity. God's gospel, not ours. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. And that verse comes after Romans 12.1. Therefore, brothers, I urge you. What does he urge you? In view of God's mercy, the gospel. Operate from a perspective of looking through the gospel, God's mercy. In view of God's mercy, offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Wow, what an amazing opportunity. In view of God's mercy, in light of the gospel, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not on Sunday, but on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And then we come together on Sunday and we celebrate how alive the gospel has been this week. Do you know what I'm hanging out for? The day when we don't have preaching on a Sunday. Makes my life easier. No, that's not true. But what it is, it's a reflection. When it's done healthily, it's a reflection of hungry people who are hungry in the Word, who are getting together and, and, and doing the stuff of life in the Spirit, who live life through the Gospel, and they get together to celebrate what God's doing because God is already alive and they're, they're receiving. If you want to know what, what the Word has, you can load yourself. Ask, ask Melissa. She's got 10 tons of books this high. She'll tell you about any topic. It's brilliant. If you're hungry to learn, God will teach you. Now, I don't think we're ever going to get to that day because there's always new people, always young people. Always, You need to feed people milk, yeah? I'm I'm not saying that we, we don't want to teach people. That's valuable. But I want to get to a posture of being hungry after God. Each day, Lord, each day, Lord, hungry. Hungry for you in this situation. In the worst ones, not just the good ones. I don't want to just celebrate you when things are going well. I want to see your gospel when things are hard. When I'm battling today, what does, what does my life look like through the lens of your gospel? Your power at work in me. I really want us to make a stand today. I want us to make a choice, which we, we, we make every day. Hopefully this is not the first time you've made this choice. But I want to stand and make a declaration to you and to God to say I don't want a cheap gospel reflected in my life. The only things that are going to help that is going to be accepting Jesus and his power and trusting the Spirit. I'm not saying work harder. Please hear me. I am not saying we need to labour more. I'm saying we need to trust what God has declared over our lives. We need to trust what God has said And walk in faith. So this morning, I'd love if that's something that you go, God, I want to change. And guys, I do believe, as I was praying on Friday, that, and it might not be guys, but I I had a sense that guys need to stand up and say, God, I want to see pornography through your eyes. I don't want to be in a place of condemnation, but God, I do want to be in a place of salvation. And so... I know this might make it a bit awkward for you. Um, you may be standing up not because pornography is an issue in your life. That's okay. No one is here judging. Um, there's, a, there's a bunch of reasons you could stand up. But that, that is one that I believe God wants to actually well, wants to tackle this morning. Because there's chains that people are carrying, shame and burdens that people are carrying that are not theirs to carry. It's one example of a whole heap of parts of life. But it's a real example. It's a tangible example that God wants to say, I want you to see that through the gospel. I want you to see my power at work in your life. I want you to receive my love and my grace and my mercy. I don't condemn you. I want to save you. Do you trust that that's the gospel you believe in? It might not be that. There may be other aspects of your life that God's brought to mind. Or it might just be a general sense of going like me the gospel I represent is too cheap. It's too shallow. It reflects too much on my capacity and not enough on his capacity. And you may just want to stand up and say, I want to reflect a God that has an infinite capacity. This is a very piss poor attempt at showing God's capacity, by the way. Sorry, was that inappropriate language? Yeah, it's uh, it's an unrealistic representation of what God offers. But I want to reflect... A God that has an amazing capacity to move and to work today. Not just 2,000 years on the cross, that power was released through His Spirit. So I just encourage you, and they're not going to like it, but I'm going to ask Darren and Kel to pray for us. Because they're part of the reason I'm standing here today sharing this word, because part of my, my wrestle was watching them operate Kel, do you mind if I share about your Fiji journey? Is that all right? Yeah. Kel struggles with heat. Um, Kel knew that going over to Fiji. She'd been to the doctors and said, what can I do to combat this? And they gave a few nice little tips that were pretty useless. But she said, I'm called to Fiji. More than that, she said, through the lens of the gospel, I've married a guy who's called to Fiji, and so I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to do what God has called us together in unity to do together. And I saw that operate. But what I also saw was a very tangible, physical situation of daily migraines. Daily, um, what's it, when you, when you overheat? Heat stroke, basically. Every day. What does that look like through the lens of the gospel? It looks like rest. Absolutely. And Cal very carefully strategically found opportunities to rest. Very important. God doesn't call us to flog ourselves. But she also said, through the lens of the gospel, this does not define me. I still have something to offer. I'm not going to say this is a waste of space and a waste of time because I'm physically limited. She said, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight. I'm going to get around the team. I'm going to go out when I can. I'm going to come back and rest well. I'm going to make sure that I, I do everything I can to. Preserve my body, this gift of God, but I'm not going to let it define what I'm capable of doing because I believe God has greater things in store for this team, greater things in store for me in Fiji than to go. I'm going to come and be obedient and I'm going to sit in a room because I can't go outside. And for me, that was an amazing testimony of the gospel at work in someone's life. It doesn't have to be Fiji. Any circumstance we face, we need to look at through the gospel lens. So I just encourage you, and and this is why I've asked Aaron and Kel, to pray for us. Anyone who would like to respond and make a declaration of saying, Lord, I want to be a man or a woman that reflects your gospel, not my gospel. Your capacity, not my capacity. Your grace and mercy, not my grace and mercy. Your power at work in those around me, not my power at work in those around me. If you want to make that declaration, I just encourage you to stand up now. And, and I know I'm standing already, but I'm standing up. And this is not a cheap response. This is between you and God primarily. But it's also an opportunity to stand with each other and say, let's not sell each other short. So often... We look around and we compare and we go, I'm doing all right compared to that person. Let's set the bar at God's bar, God's gospel, Jesus Christ's gospel, not ours. Let's keep each other accountable to what we have stand, standing up to declare. Let's keep each other um, in a place of saying, let's spur one another on. Let us reflect the gospel in each other's lives so that others may be inspired to reflect it also.